December, Universal Century 0079. Scram, we're forming defensive line. The one-year war is drawing to a close. The Earth Federation has the upper hand in the neutral colony side six. Alexion special forces are dispatched to destroy the Federation's secret weapon, the Gundam. Zeon's only ally, an 11-year-old boy named Alfred Izaruha. Yeah! For him, war was a distant game. Caught between loyalties, Al must make the ultimate choice. The stakes, life, and death. We're not playing games here, Joe. The price of failure. This colony is going to be destroyed, all right? Nuclear annihilation. Gundam 0080, a midnight run exclusive. Premiering Monday, November 5th at 1230. In war, everyone's a casualty. Hello and welcome to Gundam I Hardly Know Him, the book club style podcast where we tackle every Gundam series, OVA, and movie in release order. I'm Michael and I'm joined by my two co-hosts who gladly befriend children to obtain military secrets. We've got Simon. What's up? If you have a DVD and you're under the age of 18 hit me up and we got christian i don't mind knocking a kid out all right if you, okay listen, if you acting up let, if your kids acting up i don't mind knocking them out all right i'll point a firearm at a kid i don't give a fuck this okay? is this is well established for you simon <laughs> we established the season <laughs> one of the podcast your disdain for children. <laughs> Holy shit. Hey, uh, listeners, if you have any kids in the room, turn this podcast off. Because that would be extremely irresponsible if you have kids in the vicinity. Yeah, yeah. They'll be listening to this podcast and they'll be, um, I think, what uh, psychologists call um, scarred. Oh, as a child, <laughs> emotionally scarred. They, no, well, um, it could go one of two ways. They could be scarred, or they could be transformed into oh, higher, and then like fully militarized against me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, actually, if kids listen to this podcast, they're almost guaranteed to steal your car and then go drive it to a military base or something like that. We've only preached high praises of that exact um, path as a child. Totally, so, yeah. I mean, that's what Gundam's is. actually about. Welcome to season five. Welcome to season five, baby. We didn't think we'd make it. This is kind of when... Um, this is kind of when uh, it starts falling apart, you know, like season mm-hmm. five of Community wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. Season five of The Office wasn't the best. Um, so uh, season five, this is about time uh, where I mean, it's either like I feel like season five is when stuff starts to fall apart or it's when something truly hits its stride. So I'm, I'm hoping that season yeah. five of this podcast. I'm just realizing how many like how many seasons we're going to have to do with the way that we've set this up where each I, like new thing as a new season at some point we're gonna be on like season 33 it's kind of fucked up 
<laughs> yeah. I don't want to think I mean, about that too hard. It's kind of fucked up in a good way. Kind of like, you know, hot sauce is like hot, like it hurts, but you like it. Mm-hmm. Hey, like Michael, that. what else is fucked up in a good way? Um... Um, the economy. All right, all right. Bitcoin. <laughs> Guys, this is low-hanging fruit. We have to be better than than Bitcoin. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Welcome to season five of the podcast. I. Didn't know if we'd last this long, but we did. We made it. All of you, you said we yeah. wouldn't, but we did. And despite you know your I'm best doing this efforts. Out of spite. Exactly. Uh, in this season, we are talking about the Mobile Suit Gundam OVA 0080 War in the Pocket. Um, before we jump into talking about the OVA, I wanted to talk a little bit about our like notion of this before we started watching it. So Christian, I know that you have a little bit of a longer history with this OVA. Um, so I kind of wanted to let you talk about when you first watched it and how much you've seen and kind of what your impression was without giving away any spoilies. Any spoilies? Um, well, okay. <laughs> I watched it in the, in the old grad school days, which was a, a haze of, Marijuana and anxiety. Um, <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> no, it was like anime was one of my escapes, and I came across uh, War in the Pocket during one of these um, respites from constant anxiety, and it was just like it blew me away. I I fell in love with it, and it was so I was so sad that it was just an OVA, only like this limited series of of episodes. That said, it had been a long time since I watched it. I just remember really loving it. And then I've been looking forward to it ever since we had started the show. And now we're here. And I like, as I've watched, I've watched the first two episodes, I don't know, like three or four times each already. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I remember now why it's so freaking amazing um but yeah so what okay like i'm gonna turn it back on you guys and on you michael Mm -hmm. like what one how do you feel about it and then what like right now don't go into too much detail like but what really struck you specifically about the show so um i think like so far, so like what my impression is of War in the Pocket generally is that it's either beloved or kind of disdained by a lot of the Gundam fans. Like I think the um, mm. the I love lasers and I love big robots punching each other crowd of Gundam fans doesn't like this um, because it's it's like a little bit more human based, I guess. Um, yeah, and I think I, I've heard a lot of like that crowd of Gundam fans be like, I, don't, I hate Al. He's so annoying. The kid, like the kids are so annoying. Uh, I can't stand it. Um, and so I don't know. I kind of have that impression of it in my head, but also I think that a lot of other Gundam fans, I'd say 
like a larger percentage of them seem to find it to be one of the more subtle, beautiful shows. And I think it's compared a lot to 8th MS Team, which is one that I've seen quite a few times and I think is the best that I've seen. I, th I think 8th MS Team is so good. So I was like super jazzed to go into this because um, I was expecting a smaller story, um, something a little bit more subtle. And so far, not to give too much away, I think it's hitting all of what I was expecting right on. And I'm yes, really, uh, that's exactly really what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, Simon, as someone who, as someone who's hate kids, who hates kids. <laughs> Hi, I'm Simon, the kid hater. Kid hater. 23 years old. If you're younger than that, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had pretty much no expectations going into it. It was pretty much just another mm. torrent to me up until I started playing it. And then I realized it's all available for free on YouTube, which yeah. we love to see. Mm -hmm. um people who upload anime to youtube in which the studios are either don't care enough to take it down or um maybe not even around anymore thank you for your service <laughs> um uploading uh yeah Truly, i don't know whenever i celebrate service. memorial yeah. day it's for those people you know mm -hmm. um i lump them in with uh uh veterans i guess but so far, so good. Um, I guess, yeah, I was kind of bummed initially, to be completely honest, that the main characters mm. were, like, children again. Mm. Because, uh -huh. like, I don't find stories that take place in, like, elementary schools and, like, inside, like, childhood rooms and stuff super compelling for some reason. Like... I don't know, like, children's movies are, like, unwatchable to me now just because I mm. I don't know why. I think it's just maybe I'll come around when I refine my sense of youth, but I'm, like, I'm looking to find grime right now. Like, I want I want the world to disappoint me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so far, I, I've been, I, I've not hated it. it. It's, I mean, there's enough other characters that are really good. Uh, Simon... Can you explain to me your uh, this? You simultaneously ha hate children's movies, but you've watched Polar Express more than anyone I've ever met in my entire Listen. life. Listen. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, riddle me this, Batman. Um. Is Tom Hanks a child? Huh? Huh? When he when he got when he got COVID, did he go to the pediatrician or did he go to the fucking? Grown-ass doctor. Tom Hanks Never plays forget. every single role in that movie. Also, The Polar Express is a timeless tale of love and loss and Christmas without being overtly religious. It is a beautiful... Also, for fans of... Hey, Polar Express is a mecha movie, okay? <laughs> the Polar Express is a mech, okay? So, like, you all are being all high and mighty. Oh, why do you hate The Polar Express? Why do you like 0079? Because it has big, cool robots going really fast. What is a train? It's not a big, cool robot going really fast. That's it, bitch. Don't you ever bring Polar Express into this podcast ever again. Well, um, Christian. Simon. Christian, you want to say, buddy? Uh, I, I feel sad that you haven't found your your childhood or that you've lost your childhood. Um, no, no. <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
so my girlfriend has nieces and nephews, right? And so every time I visit, uh, Flex. you know, I'm like, I have to hang out with them every once in a while. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but like whenever I hang out with like kids, I turn into, I like regress for some reason. I don't know. I turn, to, I turn into a giant kid. And, uh, but anyways, mm-hmm. like all that to say, it's, it's really fun to watch little humans like grow up since I've like, I've dated my girlfriend for the past three years. So I've seen these kids actually like go through like different phases of their childhood. And so that's, that's like part of the reason why I love shows like war in the pocket because, and I think like this show especially does such a good job of like when like innocence runs right up against like the realities of war. We'll get to that. We haven't mm-hmm. got there, but yeah. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, it's. I think that like I generally am on Simon's side. Like I don't watch kids' things ever. Um, I also like am really the the way that you're talking about being around kids actually makes me jealous of the fact that like I feel completely uncomfortable uncomfortable around children. Um, I just like don't know how to act around kids. Um. And so, I don't know, like, most kids' stuff, I, I don't really get. Um, but I what I think, I think we're going to get way into this as we talk about the show or the OVA, but I, what I, I think that the, the kids being central to this story is going to be a lot more important than just, like, what the kids were in Zeta or 0079, where it's ancillary. Like, ancillary characters yes, that yeah. are just there to serve, like, comedy or... Um, that that sense of innocence, whereas the show um, seems to be speaking so far, and my impression of it is is speaking about something a little bit larger with with children. Um, so, all that being said, maybe we should start uh, going through some of the uh, the information here about the show. So, I did look up a little bit. One of the things that I I would like us to do um, a little bit more frequently is talk a little bit about production on the shows. So Christian, I know you looked up some stuff, and and I did as well. Yeah. Um, but I just I have a couple of just little bullet bullet points, um, about it. So I'll I'll go through those, and I'll let Christian fill in any gaps. Um, as you see. Fun facts. This is the first OVA, um, and it is uh, in the Gundam franchise, and it's also the first ever Gundam thing, or like mainline Gundam story, not to be directed by Tomino. Um, so you're gonna see we're gonna see a major departure from the Tomino verse. Um, this was released upon Gundam's 10 year anniversary, so 10 years after 0079. Uh, War in the Pocket. The name refers to this being a personal story, so a smaller smaller scale of a story, um, and it was released a year after uh, Shar's counterattack. Um, this story, while being released later takes place at the same time as 0079. So this place this takes place during the one year war. So oh. before, yeah, so this this will be like during the exact same time that Amaro and Shar are running around. Fucking That's some look, good re- that's some good reference. Thanks for bringing look, that up. Looking for salt. So like whenever so like this is what I want you to imagine is whenever we are talking about war in the pocket, just imagine the white base on Earth looking for salt that's what's happening yeah exactly 
Chef exists. There's a non-zero chance that Chef could make a comeback. And we already know Chef isn't here because in episode one, there's a there's a bit of food trouble. You know what I'm saying? If Cameron Bloom can come back, then fucking Chef can come back, dude. Anybody can come back. <laughs> you don't know. That's actually that's a good point, Christian. They should have brought Chef back instead of Cameron Bloom. We should have talked about that. Yes. <laughs> Why did we get a sequence about salt? Like, oh man, if the asteroid um, hits a certain part of the Earth, we're not going to have access to our salt anymore. Um. So, Christian, uh, is there anything else that you were to talk about? The oh, just some interesting uh, little uh, tidbits. Haruhiko Mikimoto, the character design designer. Uh, or the person in charge of character design for War in the Pocket, uh, was also part of a lot of other super interesting projects. Um, like he worked on the Sword of is it Sword of the Stranger. Mm-hmm. Do you know that movie? It's like a very very well known like. Yeah, I've animated heard of it. I've movie. never it's seen like, that. It, it's it's looked to as an example of like animation of like it's mm-hmm. it's really well uh regarded um let's see oh this show kind of also began through the tradition of like doing redesigns um for the first time in mm-hmm. franchise history so now uh each like director character designer has the chance to kind of put their own take on classic uh, Gundam designs, um, which was pretty interesting. And then I think you pretty much covered um, all the ground. Oh, also, I I thought was interesting. There's a little tidbit about how people um, kind of were relieved by the absence of the whole uh, new type uh, story mm-hmm. arc from this particular like like the fans it was well received amongst fans because they're like ah like finally a break from all this like um super fanciful new type stuff uh finally it's like more a well a like grounded story that's more like you know centered on uh more relatable characters I I suppose instead of ones with these like supernatural totally. abilities. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that I agree. I'm also glad that it is less new type uh centered at least uh so, as far as I've seen. So, um I think that I can agree with that. Um all that being said, I think we should jump into episode 1. Uh so what we're going to do this season is, since it is six episodes, this OVA, we're going to cover, we're going to do three episodes and do two per episode. Um, and we'll be a little bit more detailed in our analysis of these episodes since there are so few. Um, and so I'll try and pick up on some more of the details. But I feel like um, since this is so short, they've, there's, they've packed a lot in, but in a really well-paced way, at least so far. Like I, mm-hmm. I just feel like there's there's a lot happening and a lot of subtext to what's happening as well. So I feel like there's a lot of good questions we can ask and talk about. So let's jump into episode one, which is called How Many Miles to the Battlefield? Uh, this was released March 25th, 1989. 
and it was first ever aired in America on November 5th, 2001. Um, which is funny, I was 10 years old when this uh, first aired in America. So I was probably just a little bit too young to have seen it, probably. Because I don't think I started watching Toonami until a little bit later. Um, okay, this episode starts with a cold open, which I believe is the first ever cold open that we've got in a Gundam series. I can't remember. I don't think any of the other ones have had them. Um, so the cold open starts with a submarine carrying a Xeon team named the Cyclops team. And they are navigating the Arctic Sea. They launch a series of high-gog mobile suits, which are, on a, which are on a mission to intercept a Federation project. We are introduced to Steiner Hardy, a grizzled team commander. Uh, and I'm getting some major Rambaral vibes from uh, good old yes. Steiner. He kind of has like a, a nice, uh, nice old look to him. Very Rambaral look. Uh, we are also introduced to the rest of the team, uh, which is Misha, Garcia, and Andy. The Cyclops team in, emerges from the water in a brilliant set piece. They attack the Fetty base and engage a few GM cold types in battle. The GMs are able to hold off the Cyclops team as the secret project departs on a Federation rocket. In the heat of the battle, Andy disobeys orders from Steiner and attacks the rocket by himself, and he is killed. Um, this ends the cold open as Steiner holds Andy in his arms, screaming to, to the heavens, uh, very sad. Um, I was blood struck drips by onto the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In the most dramatic fashion. Um, what did you yeah. all know about the cold open? Um, I was I was really struck visually with the action. Um, I felt like I don't know. It was just it was it was very striking. Simon, what what were your thoughts on this little set piece? I really like the how they introduced uh, the Cyclops team because you are a little uncertain if they're to be the protagonists of mm -hmm. this like show. Like you're like, oh, these are like all the characters I know. Like, do I have to like kind of is this going to be like an anti-villain um, show and everything? Because like you immediately kind of they 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 set up the characters as super grizzled. Like Misha is you know like just like railing that fucking alcohol and yeah. Garcia just has like all these like titties covering the inside of his fucking mobile suit pilots thing so they're like kind of like set up as these I don't even know a word to describe it like hyper macho a little bit macho yeah man. definitely not like these n n definitely not an amuro a camille or a judo like mm -hmm. not not even like a likable uh anti-hero um and then yeah the action uh fucking ruled um the zaku design um uh i don't know if that's i guess the zakus aren't here yet um yeah, i really like the uh... zaku design a little bit later no, but what are they called? Oh, the high how gogs. floppy their arms were! I loved yeah. how floppy their arms were. Their little little spaghetti arms. But I also liked. Um, I know this is like a little detail, but we haven't seen a Gundam fight set in like a snowy place yet, mm -hmm. really. Um, so I, I don't. That was always my favorite part of like action movies, like James Bond or like, uh, you know, Mission Impossible or like. That's why I love about all the Uncharted games, like all mm -hmm. the like action. To me, if you are to make like at like entertainment action, it's all about like where it takes place. Like that's why we loved like 
tenant so much because like all yeah. the locations were so so cool and no, like, dude, the best so, so um, that kind of the best snow act one of the best snow actions is actually inception the last set piece in inception is just like uh, an excuse yeah. i want snow that to action. be a call of duty map so bad yeah oh my god it basically is a like, call of duty map. yeah and <laughs> yeah it basically is but Fucking Summit in Call of Duty Black Ops One is mm-hmm. one of the best maps ever. That like I know. they um really did Gondola well in that mm-hmm. map. Oh, we should have a spin-off episode about our favorite map design, Call of Duty Black Ops One. I'm um, but that's for another time. <laughs> Anyways, uh but yeah, that's kinda what that was my thoughts about it. Um I I like really love the they they kind of I think in the past Gundam has made their anti heroes a little bit too unlikable or too weird but i really like the direction they're going with like garcia and misha or mishra i think it's misha is what i have written down yeah misha and yeah. uh the main uh great value uh <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is rombarol um, yeah yeah, great value but yeah thanks for asking it it's so like visceral and to me it's like peak gundam and I know we like we said that with Zeta, mm. we said that with Double Zeta, we like. Um, but I feel like wow, this cold open is like, ah oh, man, it like hits everything that you want, and the just the from an animation like standpoint, like everything is just so smooth, and I feel like they nailed the design mm-hmm. for the the high goog. Is that what the name of that mobile suit? That mm-hmm. like. I hated yeah, I how those were introduced in in zero seventy nine, but here, like the fucking design is like amazing. How they sling their arms with those like um, missiles, uh, those like heat seeking mm-hmm. missiles in them, and ah, they and the way they just like jumped around and like messed up that entire uh, Fetty base. Ah, man, it was great. It's almost like they wanted to like settle any um any doubts of the viewers that this was going to be like a lame Gundam like yeah show. like they wanted just to like get out of the way like don't worry like it's gonna be like a little bit slower and it's not gonna be as grand but it's still going to we're, we're going to still have the action sequences and the like base designs like set designs and mobile suit designs that um you know a, has like yeah. made us so famous that's a really good point it's like grounding it Exactly. Yeah. And with just the little details of the the cockpits of each special uh forces member, each like the Garcia had the the Playboy yeah. magazine. Misha had the flask hanging from the top of his cockpit that he could like pull down and take a drink from every once in a while. They all like had those like little details, and that just adds so much more like depth to the character and makes it so much more compelling. Whereas like a lot of past Gundam, you, maybe you don't get that depth of detail for uh, characters like that. And so that's the subtlety that this show brings to the table mm-hmm. that makes it so so great. Totally. Also, um, one last point on this before we move on is I think this might be one of the first time that we see like a plan hatched really like a lot of the time i feel like the action that we see is just like oh here's another like 
coming together of these two opposing forces because they just ran into each other again. But this is like a deliberate right. plan with a lot of moving parts. And, and I think that that's just like really satisfying to see versus all of what we've seen in a lot of the shows previously. Um, a little bit more of like a, an organized military effort. Um, but let's move on from the cold open. And I want to talk about the opening song. don't disappoint they, they don't because we got another banger um, they don't miss they don't miss i will say that the visuals of this one are a little weird uh, especially compared to the others um, oh i love bit... them no i do too yeah i mean weird in a good way because it's like obscuring what we're used to which is just like our main character and the other main characters running around during the opening uh, right this time there's like some abstract pictures of like like trying to evoke like childhood i guess and and being a child and mm-hmm. um i don't know <laughs> what did you guys think of the opening song i've only heard it the, the two times but every time I, i've definitely not skipped it i'm definitely enjoying it oh i, I remember the first time i watched the show that song was such an earworm it got stuck in my head and i like was like always walking around like can't you see <laughs> i couldn't help but like start singing this song <laughs> and man yes yeah, it's, it's dangerous when i start listening to it because i it, it just gets stuck in my brain mm-hmm. yeah i can't wait for the day when we can like having seen all of them kind of rank the songs and do like a tier list of the songs because some of my favorite parts of watching the show is are these opening songs. I think they're so good, um, and, it, and it's so fun that each season we get like a new, a new thing to talk about and a new song to experience. Um, it's, it kind of sucks I only really get this one six times. Um, it would but, be fun to look into the background of the production of the opening. Sorry to cut you off there, Michael. Oh, totally. No, you're good. Um, yeah, totally. We should definitely do that. Um, so after the opening song, we are taken to a new, uh, like a new setting. So we are taken to side six, introduced to our main character, Al or Alfred Azura, who's an 11 year old boy who, um, at this time he cannot pay attention to class. He's in class, but he, he can't pay attention because he is busy, uh, drawing a Zaku. Um, Al is friends with two of his classmates, uh, Shay and Telcott who, like him, are also obsessed with all things mobile suit and military. Uh, they get in an argument with Dorothy, another classmate who is adamant that the Earth Federation does not have their own mobile suits, where Alfred is convinced that they do uh, because he says he's, he's seen them at the spaceport. Um, he hatches a plan to prove Dorothy wrong, because Dorothy's a mean bully. He's going he's gonna to sneak into the spaceport uh, where he's going to meet his father, and he's going to obtain proof by taking a video. Um, so one of the things... Well, okay, firstly, we're introduced to Al. And obviously, we've seen two episodes. What do you guys think of Al so far 
as a character. Um, what's your impression of him as a kid? He's fine. Honestly, like I can see his, the decisions that he makes are logical, which is like one of my favorite parts of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think that's really what frustrates me about kids. Like, I don't mind kids. I just like stupidity is what makes me unhappy. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I can like, like Al is like, it's a very just regular childhood, um, conflict to say that your like uncle works at Nintendo and then like you're asked for proof of it. And then like, it that becomes a whole thing. Like that was very recognizable. That is very much a conversation one has at 11 years old, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I like Al so far. He's good. Fucking his um his family life though seems like hell. I mean we'll oh, get into that dude, later. But that was my definitely. one thing. Like it was he's just like Al the um Al whose parents hate him so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, shit. We'll, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh Mink. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna hold off on asking Christian about his opinions because Christian knows too much. So I have to be careful. Uh, I know careful what I ask much. Christian. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the things that really struck me about this episode in particular is the idea that the writer or the writers are putting in about children being obsessed with the military, and I just thought that like it really reflected this sort of time period in which I was raised. Um, Christian, I don't know if you could speak on this, if, if you felt similarly, but like when I was a kid and I grew up in Kentucky and my dad was in the air force and my grandfather was too, like there's a certain obsession about the military and like paraphernalia. And like when I was a kid, I go to like a, a flea market and there's every flea market in Surplus Kentucky, Ohio, military Indiana, gear. There's always like yeah. a booth. Yeah, exactly. There's a fucking camo section and per like as a kid, I, I was obsessed with it too. Like, I mean, I was Al like obsessed with like, uh, the purple hearts that they would sell there, you know, whatever the fuck camo, oh, yeah. a canteen, all that shit. I, I loved it. I thought it was the coolest. I mean, it like, it didn't help that like, I, I don't know, it was drip fed, like Black Hawk Down, Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, like all this fetishized, you know, military stuff. Um, right. But I like, I don't know, this whole, this whole kind of obsession really spoke to me and that kind of idea of, of like having children be so obsessed with these, the mechanics of killing. Um, and I think that like, it's important to kind of, take that in and, and realize what that is, you know, going into where the story's going to go. Um, and I just hope that it kind of, you know, pushes that into an interesting direction uh, because so far that's really piqued my interest as something that they're, that they're trying to kind of speak on. Yeah. For like a personal tidbit on that, the, I live across the street from this apartment complex that is just like overflowing with kids. So they're like always out front like playing and like I have had my windows open the past couple days because like it's been beautiful and I have come to realize that what they're playing is they're just like it's this endless war that they just keep on playing Mm -hmm. and that like they kill each other then they get revived then they like die again 
in every single night it ends up with the mom coming out and like screaming at them that it's like you're not really dead you can't really kill and like i mean it's funny and all because like you know they're shooting each other like nerf bullets but you like simply can't like i like want to go across the street and like show them pictures of like yemeni's villages getting mm-hmm. airstruck by like you know drones or some shit but like you can't do that to kids like you can't yeah. like you you can't like be like hey do you want to see like what an amputee looks like like after fucking like stepping on a claymore in afghanistan like you can't like show so so like it's almost like the parents just will continue to encourage it because they're like they they look at being like a play soldier as like oh yeah they like show they're regimented and they like you know can obey orders and they're you know they're able to stick to a schedule and like all of these like positive parts of like you know militarism but the kids like they're not thinking about that i feel like that's kind mm-hmm. of like an excuse that like adults like you know put on them it's like oh yeah it's cool that my son is wearing you know like full camo to school every single day because that shows that like you know he's able to like he gets his hair cut short and like you know he's a good kid because of it but like me hearing what these kids are actually talking about like they're just like I mean, like, if they don't know, like, you know, killing your what? friends when you're it a just, kid is fun. It, like, it's like, haha, like, I outmaneuvered you and I shot you with a Nerf dart. And, like, but it's just, like, I want to go and be like, hey, do you guys want to hear about my experience with, like, like how horrifying, like, war can be because of, like, all this media I've consumed? Like, I think... <laughs> but I can't do that because they're it's, it's in the water, you know, and at, to Michael's point, like, my parents weren't necessarily jazzed about the military or or war or anything like that, but I was still obsessed with all that stuff just the same, you know? And um, I think mm-hmm. what's so poignant about the show is that that's exactly like, you know, the uh, the fetishization of, of violence as war is like a lot of ways wrapped up in these uh, seemingly benign and uh, childlike things, right? And um, Mm-hmm. like how quickly and how easily a child can imbibe these ideas and like what what are the the consequences of that you know especially that is so prescient now with you know the tensions the way they are between certain parts of the country like there are parts of the u.s that feel that like other people pose existential threats to them and they're arming themselves and this and that Right. And it's part of like this fetishization of like the military. And we're dealing with a like consequence of that Mm -hmm. now. And so that's what this show is trying to like warn us of and like had been trying to, you know, some 20, 30 years ago Mm -hmm. when it Mm -hmm. was made. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just wild like how that conversation could continue for so long like this show made in 19 probably the production this probably started in like 1987-88 like i grew up in you know the 90s and early aughts the kids living across the street from simon are growing up in 2020 2021 and like the same idea kind of just continues it's just like a cyclical thing and i wonder if part of it is just like um our ability as human beings to recognize life and death 
and like compartmentalize that as kids and like the most entertaining way to think about life or death is like not to think about like somebody dying of cancer but to think of getting shot or shooting someone or not getting shot because you don't want to die yeah and so i don't know it's just to me the the whole like the whole aspect the human aspect of of these kids being obsessed with war is just like something that i I, like you don't wouldn't think to really necessarily put that into a gundam like cartoon basically but the fact that it exists I, i don't know it's like a really fun and interesting jumping off point for this story um and i think i watched this episode four or five days ago and i still today during my lunch break when i went on my on a run uh subtle flex um i still thought about it today so like i don't know it's just something that like i'm gonna continue to think about and i I don't know i'm really interested so i don't know i think there's there's a lot a lot uh, a lot of substance in this so far um but let's 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 keep on let's keep on pushing through here yeah um yeah yeah so al alfred he meets his father at the spaceport after school and he sneaks around and takes a video of what he hoped would be a Fetty mobile suit. Instead, he takes a video of a shipping container, uh, the same shipping container that departed the Arctic base from the cold open. Uh, When Al departs, uh, we see the container open up, and we see what looks like a Gundam head, but we don't know. Uh, During Al's encounter with his father, we find out that Al is, uh, like a lot of our Gundam protagonists, from a complicated and broken home. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this was one of the first times as well that I realized how all of our protagonists in Gundam so far are from broken homes of some sort. Um, and how, yeah, like I feel like a lot of, a lot of what Gundam's saying is way ahead of its time. Like beside what we're talking about with the kids you know, in the militarization of children, this, um, I don't know, even just the home lives of our protagonists that, and shows that are coming out in the 80s, I feel like is really progressive and, you know, shows a more realistic version of home. Um, so Amaro, his parents were mm-hmm. separated. He lived with his dad and his mom lived on Earth. Uh, Camille's dad had a mistress and his mom was like obsessed with work. Judo's parents were non-existent. Right. Uh, he was abandoned. His little sister, or did they possibly die? I'm not really sure what happened to Judo's parents. I don't know if that was I ever explained. I can't remember. I think they were just orphaned for some reason. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then now Al, yeah, now Al is uh, living with his mom, and his dad seems to be um, working, and they seem to be separated. Um, but like you all kind of alluded to, uh, his parents don't seem to be treating him that well. Um, but I did have a question. Um, do you all think that Al is our first protagonist that seemingly acts the age that he is? I would say so. Yeah. Like, like to to Simon's point earlier, he very much makes the choices that an eleven year old would make, um, like mm-hmm. sneaking away to to prove that he in indeed did see like a Gundam or 
just to impress his classmate mm-hmm. or you know his obsession with like a little rank badge um yeah and that's why this this Gundam uh OVA feels so much more grounded than the others and that like the characters seem to be making the choices they should be mm-hmm. whereas in like the past even like in his little go ahead sorry well, in his little outburst, um, when, like, he was just, like, getting frustrated that he had to answer all these questions that his parents posed at him, like, and he just, like, was psychotic playing that video <laughs> game, and he just, yes, like, mom. blew yes, up mom. The... That was also, like, an insane sequence to just be like, fuck it, hospital killed, school killed, and then it was, yeah. like, your home destroyed, and I'm like, <laughs> how many video games, like, have a fictional your home inside of it, like... Yeah. Pretty fucking cool. nuke town like one of the houses is your house yeah it's crazy <laughs> but um uh i mean i think that judo acted his age i don't know i like I, I feel like all the other characters are kind of this ambiguous age of like they could be 16 or they could be 22 mm-hmm. um and i know they like said their actual ages but in my mind like that's how i kind of viewed them like i'm like oh they're a young adult but Al, like, you know, can't... Al's not a preteen. Al is not certainly not a teenager. He's, like, a child. Like, he's, like, 10, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. He definitely acts like a 10-year-old. Or he acts like those kids that three months out of my apartment and they look like they're <laughs> um, I think, canonically, he, he's 11. He's 11 years old. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think... Uh, Especially, like, Camille and Amaro seem to always be, I don't know, in a weird kind of, I don't know, erratic age of seemingly being adults and children at the same time. <laughs> Where it kind of, it's kind of refreshing yeah. that Al is just a child. Um, so, just, next, just Al returns home and he runs into his, he uh, runs into his neighbor, uh, Christina McKenzie. McKenzie. How it's spelled uh or chris uh chris tells al that she just got back from earth and the viewers are shown that uh chris has a fetty uniform however al is unaware of uh chris's uh military affiliation uh the next morning al heads to school where he arrives and there is a sudden explosion and a uh, Fetty GM appears and is shot down by a Zaku. Um, the Zaku and Rickdom to do battle with the GM, and much of the area is destroyed. Um, Al and his friends watch in wonder as the battle continues, and another Zaku passes near them right over their heads. Um, that Zaku, which is losing energy, heads into the nearby forest park where it crashed land. Al uh, furiously and quickly leaves school and heads for the crash Zaku. Uh, When he finds it, he explores around the mobile suit and takes videos of it. Suddenly, the pilot appears and points a gun at Al. Fade to black. Great first episode. Banger of an episode. So good. Uh, uh, just a truly like, great introduced first all the characters, showed a conflict. Like yeah. it did. It it was textbook, baby, textbook. Yeah, I 
I think yeah, I think it was wonderful. So I had a question here, which is, what did you all think of the first episode? But I think we can all agree that this episode is one of the best episodes of Gundam that I've that we've probably seen um, ever the seen. Production yep. was really good yep. and yep, great um, pacing and everything. Didn't feel like they were trying to squeeze a whole movie into like twenty six minutes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, yeah. The pacing, especially from compared to Shars Counterattack, is uh, so yeah. much better. <laughs> to that point, every shot felt like it meant something as well. Like none of it was th- thrown away. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah, it, yeah. And every shot is extremely like detailed. Like there's so, there's so much in it. Um, but with that, uh, mm-hmm. let's let's take a quick little break. We'll we'll take a little break to go play some video oh, games. Oh, we got to play the new um the new break music. Yeah, you know? we get uh, enjoy on the way out uh, the new eye catch, um, which I I missed from last season. And bye. Welcome back. Um, what you missed was Christian showed us. A baseball card and his penis as in my baseball simon card. and i said it was fake was it yeah real? there's and no that... way that you have a there's no way you have a barry bond signed baseball card dude you <laughs> there's, obviously there's, shit looks like it was signed in crayon shit pants, there's no way dude. barry bond signed your dick <laughs> There's no way. Okay, I don't know how. I don't know if you guessed it that without <laughs> us knowing because we saw your penis at the beginning of the episode and there was no Barry Bond signature on it. I, and somehow, like I've been like you've been using your hands to like talk and like. No, look. Wait. I is Barry, Barry with you? Put his signature on there, and then I went straight to a tattoo shop and got that fucking shit tattooed on there. <laughs> So it's never it's never going away. Can I can I do a humble yeah. brag to y'all? Please. Uh yeah. My mom Real, when yeah. when I lived in <laughs> Yeah, are you cool with it? Or do yeah, I humble tell brag the story. to you? Yeah, tell the fucking story. Go ahead. Dude, you don't know the fucking story. You don't know okay. <laughs> you think that you have all the shit coming out of my mouth figured out dude i'm a loose fucking a loose cannon, cannon okay you can't you if you're betting on what i'm gonna say you're betting on the losing horse baby um barry bonds mom did a zumba class with my mom whoa dude that's pretty sick uh but you know what's also so i was yeah. thinking... sick is what michael mm-hmm. is what? thinking well, I was just thinking about how. Well, you like, know what I think is actually really sick. I was thinking about so, like, you guys can try and talk. Well, Michael's about to like, say. I have the I have the master key to editing out all of your interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just thinking about how like some people are just gonna start listening to this podcast. You know, this episode, like it's their first episode, and like they don't get to progress with us in the journey of slowly degenerating into just the most blue humor ever so they're like oh great 
a podcast about <laughs> War in the Pocket, and then we just talk about Christian's dick for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Dude, you know what I realized? Guys, guys. They're going to think this is a baseball podcast. They're going to think this is a podcast all about baseball. Fuck. We really, we really screwed this is all ourselves. This um, MLB Fantasy League tips. Tips and tricks. Okay? Get your trades in. Tips and tricks. Oh, don't, tips and tricks. Don't bet on losing horses. Tips and dicks, baby. In tips. fact, don't put any horses on your fantasy baseball Just, team. Because yeah. horses can't play Good baseball. Point. Just the tip, okay? Again, this All is right. a Christian podcast. Right, Christian. My name's Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yep. guess everything that you do is a Christian, whatever it is. Exactly. <laughs> like, whenever you go to Subway, you say, this is a Christian sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> this water? Christian. That I'm about to drink. <laughs> The holy water, bro. It's Christian water. Christian's water. Speaking okay. Speaking of Christian, Christian, why don't you take us through episode two? <laughs> it would be my pleasure. Episode two. Let's go. Let's go. And by uh, episode two, I mean. Let's go. Reflections. Let's fucking go, boys. Rally, rally, rally caps on for episode so two. So I, I really relate to the to this episode because it's a called Reflections in a Brown Eye. And I have brown eyes and, you know, brown eyes aren't usually respected all that much. So I feel reflected. Christian, you have the most beautiful brown eyes I've ever seen oh, in my whole life. So, uh, we pick right back up where we left off in episode one, uh, where Bernie, um, is holding Al at gunpoint. They kind of, like, have a back and forth, and Al doesn't really seem to get that he's, like, in any real danger at all. Um, and he's more kind of interested <laughs> in, um, in, like, the small little things. Or whatever. And like Bernie's like rank badge and stuff like that. And so um, anyways in this interaction um, Bernie uh, convinces Al to give up the recording he took from his camera from the day earlier. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about the redesigned uh Xeon pilot costume and what do you thought about this little interaction between Bernie and Al? Michael. If you want to respond to that one. Um I love the interaction between Bernie and Al because it's it's like classic kid not understanding the full scope of what's happening and the adult just taking advantage of that, just being like Here's a shiny thing for you to look at while I steal something that's much more expensive from you. Uh, But the kid, like, it's like, yeah, when you get a kid a good present and they play with the box, like, Al's just wondering, like, is you really just enamored by the box and doesn't realize that he just got, like, an Xbox 360. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. um, I. 
I also, I mean, I like all of the designs of everything in this show so far, pretty much. Like, I think everything is a little bit more slimmed down and more, like, less... It's more grounded, I guess. Everything just seems a little bit more realistic as far as the designs go and more, like, based in what, like, real world kind... Like, what what these things look like based in our world and our universe. So all the redesigns I, I really like a lot. Right. It, on the first uh, watch, I didn't notice all those details, but then going back and actually looking at some of the information behind the production of the show and that... The they the designers were able to take their own new takes, and um, yeah, really add something to the show. Once you get once you start to pay attention totally. and look at it. So, I like their interaction too. Then, I thought that I was gonna get shot. But then he didn't get shot. <laughs> you thought that episode two, Al was going to get murked. And I then the show Al was just going to continue. And <laughs> the, the show the was going to be all five about episodes covering, of his, it was going to be like a, a murder, a murder a mystery. Murder, like, whodunit type deals. <laughs> it was going to be episode <laughs> three is Bernie having to explain to Al's parents that he just murdered their son. And then episode four is kind of a court hearing. Um, yeah. Episode well, five is the funeral, and episode six is just the fallout grief of a town. Well, I think that, like, there's actually a really good concept for a show where, like, each episode um, relates to a different um, process of getting through loss. So, like, the first one is, like, <laughs> the second one is, like... <laughs> acceptance. And, like, this episode's bargaining... <laughs> It's just Al bargaining for his <laughs> life. <laughs> and then Bernie's yeah. murks him. <laughs> no, Bernie just would never do that. Bernie seems like a Bernie seems like a standout no, guy to yeah. be completely honest. I like Bernie. Can I um can I ask my can I ask my burning question of, of the week? Do it! Burning question Are you all Bernie bros? Um, I mean, I could be one. Bernie 2024, baby. <laughs> I could be Bernie, one if you Bernie want zero, me to zero, be, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, what the Simon? fuck does a Bernie bro mean, dude? You can't just drop new vernacular on us. What? Uh, yeah, I'm okay, a Bernie how bro. How have you not heard of Bernie bros? <laughs> What's um, a Bernie bro? Is that like a frat bro that is like leftist and they like no. really like bernie sanders a bernie bro was somebody who wouldn't vote for hillary hey, you didn't know what quizlet was all right let me speak a bernie bro is somebody who wouldn't vote for hillary because <laughs> he or she liked bernie so much <laughs> the, those people were like after to bernie, bernie was eliminated exactly yeah they were just like i'm not voting for anybody anymore yeah, I don't care about anything. I'm not gonna vote anymore. No, <laughs> Bernie's the only candidate for me. Bleh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bleh. I'm a Bernie bro. Bleh. Bleh. I'd rather. I think honestly, that all student debt should be erased. <laughs> honestly, I'd rather vote for Ron Paul than vote for Hillary. Bleh. 
<laughs> Bro, I'm just gonna move to Canada after this election. <laughs> That's where Bernie Sanders lives. <laughs> I'm just gonna go to fucking I Scandinavia. Know, I want to know how many people Blech. actually moved to Canada. <laughs> Dude, you can't just move. It's to hard. Canada. Actually, you need to like get a job there and shit. Like, <laughs> like they don't want people up there. Yeah, they're like you fucking Americans. <laughs> like, we don't us. want like keep out they of don't here. Want us, man. Yeah. No, but like, they're are you a Bernie bro? Fucking... Are you Bernie bro for this Bernie? Is what I really want to know. I am for sure. Oh, for I'm a this Bernie. Bernie. Oh, I'm a, yeah. I'm a Bernie bro so far. I'm yeah, a I'm a Bernie stan. bro so far too. Yeah. I mean, granted, I've like, only known him he, for one episode, but so far I'm a Bernie bro. He is like one of my favorite tropes of like uh hero or like villain that you know, is actually a good person, so they're probably going to, like, they'll they'll go mm. along with the villainous plan for a minute, but, like, they, they have they have boundaries, you know what I'm saying? Totally. Alright, let me tell you, kids, gather around the Fuck fire, I'm about episode. to tell you what happens next in this freaking episode, alright? So, this fucking episode so bernie and al make this exchange uh his rank badge for the uh disc um that he recorded on the camera and a zaku comes to uh kind of extract bernie from the battlefield so to speak um, so Al heads back into town and he kind of walks through a scene of destruction with like building on fire, people injured, bloodied, cars crashed, uh, windows shattered, um, just like a scene of kind of terror, you know, um, and we kind of cut from that, um, from that scene back to like, back to school and um, Al and his buddies are a little vindicated because there is indeed mobile suits on side seven. And so, what's her name? So stupid. Dorothy. So stupid. Childish. So Dorothy. dumb. Dorothy. Um. Fucking Dorothy. Yeah, go find a fucking wizard, what? Dorothy. What an idiot. Huh? Hmm? Anyways, and so. Sorry. Um, Al obviously is like super jazzed about this. He's at home. He's like has his little badge. He's like jumping around, playing war. He's just like fucking all about it. Okay. Um, and, uh, do you guys want to kind of like stop there and like cover that or kind of go over the, the meeting really quick between the Cyclops commander and the. I did, um, I did just have one note Zeon about guy. this part um which i feel like uh so when you're 11 years old what grade are you in like how like what grade is that uh fifth grade fifth or sixth grade maybe earlier than that i want to say i don't know so like i i was really struck with this at how innocent the kids are uh in experiencing what would be considered like a very traumatic experience, like a battle breaking out inside of your city. Um, 
And the the only thing that I could kind of reflect yeah. upon personally was how I kind of reacted to nine eleven, um, which was to not fully understand it and to kind of, you know, until somebody explained to me how real it was, I kind of thought it was cool, like the destruction, you know what I mean? Because I was a child, you don't really understand the consequences. And like right. Al, who was enamored yeah. by this whole situation, you could see there's never really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember ever seeing like terror on his face when he's like, running back to the school and he's standing on the car and people are getting like hospitalized and stuff. He, he seemed to still be just kind of jazzed on the fact that he, you know, got that badge. So I don't know, like that whole, the whole thing and the fact that like, yeah, he was more excited about being like all of them, not just Al, but all of the kids are just so excited about school being canceled more than anything then, like, you know, there's no discussion to them about the consequences of what have happened. Um, so I, I, I think that's just the, the right. writer, director. That seems like kind very of, real, though. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, the way that I thought about it was reflecting on my experience being in second grade or third grade whenever 9-11 happened and being excited as well about going home early for the day. Um which is a very real thing. So, I mean, again, I, I think that this, the show is hitting a really good, like reality, like it's hitting realistic expectations of how kids act. Um, and kind of showing us the innocence, uh, of these kids at this point in the story. Yeah. And like, and the the but the also the way the camera kind of, uh goes across that scene of destruction is also I don't know like the certain choices that they made with that made it very impactful and it's like it's also obviously like this omen of what's to come for this young child and he's still he doesn't know it yet you know what's coming for him so yeah. Um, we we kind of go from that scene into a meeting between um, this Zeon commander and that and that special forces commander, and they're talking about that uh, kind of like they're kind of getting scolded over that failed mission um, that they you know weren't able to prevent that shuttle um, from leaving that base. And they are also kind of going over the intelligence they just received from Bernie. And so it's kind of like a tense back and forth um, because the uh, Special Forces Commander had asked for more personnel and resources. And, um, you know, he's bitter, I guess, about the the men he lost and this and that. Um, but anyways, Bernie is kind of slapped on to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're tasked with, uh, kind of acting on the intelligence they just received. So sneaking in some mobile suits and either stealing whatever's in that, uh, cargo, um, container or destroying it. Um, and so Bernie is kind of introduced to these 
to the to the team. And um, what's the name of the special forces commander again, it Michael? Is Steiner. Mm. Steiner, I fucking love Steiner. This dude, yeah. No, is no, no. a badass. Uh, check out his full name, Steiner Hardy. And I know we were kind of <laughs> Steiner yeah, Hardy. Great name. Yes, just like the the epitome of like masculinity, uh, and, and just like I don't know, but not and not and not too much of a toxic way either. He's just like a fucking badass dude that smokes like a like a chimney. Um. Yeah, he's a professional. And then, you know, Garcia, obviously, he's re- is reading uh, porn, porn mags, and uh, oh, Misha's cool. picking his nails with, uh, <laughs> with a Bowie knife. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of love the, the introduction to the team. It's one of my favorite scenes of this, this episode. Um, but yeah, who's your favorite member of the special forces team? Who do you identify with the most? Is my question for both of you guys. Um, I I like I am just parlaying my love for Rombaral, uh, onto Steiner Hardy, who I I find to be a very cool character. I really like Garcia. I don't know why. I want Gar- I want like to see some I want to see more about Garcia cuz I know that he likes looking at pictures of Playboy centerfolds. Nudie mags? Yeah. Yeah. But he seems like he could have a little bit more to himself. Um I don't know. I definitely identify with him in that regard, you know what I'm saying? But uh, Yeah, like he's he's a perv but he also seems like confident <laughs> and like cool at the same time. <laughs> He's like, he's one of those perverts, like, we all have a pervert friend that, like, you're, like, you're a sick fuck, but, like, we love you for it, you know? And that's kind of what I think Garcia is. We love you. Exactly, exactly. He also has a really cool headband. Exactly. Yeah, he has a really cool headband that he uses to keep his hair out of his eyes when he's, like, fucking shit up. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, when he's working up a sweat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, like, responsible to, um, keep, uh... You know the, the salty liquid out of your eyes and stuff, but you know Misha, Misha, I would just kind of stay away from. Yeah, yeah. Misha, no, I would want to. Smells wanna talk so to. bad. Misha fucking reeks. Okay, he farts Misha, and poops all the time. Misha smells like when you leave like an yeah. in and out bag in your car for too long, <laughs> and it's just like it's just you can't. It's just like a mix of everything that's bad about the floor of a fast food kitchen you know what i'm saying god yeah like misha would have no no issue with with killing a little owl you know just to <laughs> no in the quiet. alternate universe all. in which misha crashed like misha just it was on site without misha like fucking fixed up the zaku just so he could blow <laughs> Al out of the water uh. Anyways. So, anyways. Uh, Wait, is this when they start, like, plotting, so... like, getting ready to take off in the civilian ship? 
Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. okay, that scene was Yeah, this is when they start hatching the plan. Okay, when they take the, like, nameless body and, like, plop it into the driver's chair. Oh, yeah. I, that actually was one of, like, I, I kind of love that Is that scene. not until yeah. later, or is that now? <laughs> no, that's... Oh, it's like, it's like, it, it's just, it's right after this little piece right here so like yeah yeah, yeah. continue Christian. essentially i'm sorry I, this we learned... episode in my mind was just dominated by that scene oh no it's fine all that we learn in in the in between that is that al is having trouble at school mm-hmm. okay yes. he's not doing yes. so great and okay. yeah, yeah, yeah um the authorities the authorities are on to him right his teacher's on to him mm-hmm. and his mom's starting to suspect him and it means he can his, talk to his, his mom or a counselor be a little bit harder Exactly. Yeah. It was like he talked to a counselor first, and then, uh, you know, his mom hasn't quite found out yet, but she will soon enough. So Al is like stressed out about it, he doesn't know what to do. And so he's like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to sneak out. I'm going to go check out that Zaku. Because um, I guess the authorities had not realized that it had been stashed in that little forested area over there. So he runs over there and he goes to check it out and he kind of like gets sealed in the cockpit, but he's having such a cool time. He, you know, he doesn't realize like time just passes for him. Dude, then so we cut vibes. to that scene, Simon. Oh, it looks so, that chair looks so comfy. Oh my God. It's like I want to sit in that chair because so Because you're, like, shielded from the environment, but, like, you still have, like, the night sky all around you. Mm, good point. Yeah. Just, like, camping. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it's, like, air-conditioned, too. Oh, glamping, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Oh, okay. So, uh, Al is sneaking out, but Christina catches him just, just as he's sneaking out. So, my question mm-hmm. for you both is what do you tell Christina to, you know, to get away with sneaking out? What is your excuse? And we're not allowed to use the classic no girls allowed that Al used? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The classic no girls allowed? Because no that girls allowed. Is an, that's an airtight argument. Okay, Christian, I'm going to answer this question, like, truthfully. This is no bits, Okay. Um, okay. Michael, you can go first, no but I'm, like, putting myself in the mind of Al. Or in the mind of, like, 11-year-old Simon, actually. Because um, Christian asked me. Yeah, okay, I'm putting myself in the mind of 11-year-old Michael, and I would just say, Hey, Chris, yeah, like, Blockbuster's open for, like, 15 more minutes. I just gotta get over to Blockbuster to, to get, like, the new, you know, video game that I've been wanting to play. Um, so, I'm just running over to Blockbuster real quick. I'll be back. Oh, what's the, what's the game? What's the name of that game? Uh, Duck Hunt, du- uh, Duck Hunt, uh, three hundred and sixty. Dude. Oh wow. Okay. Born in nineteen sixty. <laughs> <laughs> what's the game? Atari. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. I'd be like Chris. Chris, do you want to do like Twizzlers or like? Uh, popcorn, like one of those buckets of popcorn. Dumbass, you dumbass! <laughs> now you have to come back with Twizzlers and popcorn. You fucking <laughs> dumbass! Think you have to actually go to Blockbuster. <laughs> oh yeah, big whoop. Sorry, you actually have to go to Blockbuster into the fucking world. Fuck you, Blockbuster <laughs> rules. 
<laughs> okay. This is this is me. All right, Simon. Okay, you you take on the role as Chris. Okay, so like, ask me what I'm gonna do. All right. Oh, where where are you going, Simon? Uh, it's it's, it's late. School school is having a, an overnight thing. So I'm I'm going to that. Oh yeah, where where is it at? Is it? <laughs> is I'm assuming it's at it's school. At school. <laughs> it's at school. It's at school, and you're not allowed because you're an adult. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, be safe. But if you go, that'd be Honestly, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty tight. It's a pretty good excuse. Yeah, we'll I don't do. want to be exactly. I don't be around a lot of kids at night. That sounds sketchy. It, yeah. No. 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 That's like that's illegal. You can't hey, be around kids at night. Hey, Christian. Can you can you ask me again? Yeah. Hey, um, Michael, where where are you going? It's it's laid out. Yeah, I don't have to answer this question without the the presence of my lawyer. I'm not going to answer this question, and uh, I plead the fifth. Um. Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, Al, Al is Al is uh, read up in his rights, huh? <laughs> Wait. Are you uh, are you gonna are, are you arresting me, officer? Are you arresting me, officer? Are you arresting me, officer? <laughs> Are no, you I don't. Hey, I'm gonna Chris, you have a body cam on? This, yeah, that's illegal. You need to have your body arrest. cam on, Chris. <laughs> What's your badge number? What's your badge number? I whip number, out my Chris? phone and start recording Christina and say, "I am peacefully trying to <laughs> peacefully." Wait, <laughs> Christian, can you ask me again? Yeah. <laughs> Simon, where are you going? It's it's really late out. It's, it's okay, it's but you're dark. like role playing Christina, or you're you're role playing Chris, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ask me. Simon, where where are you going? It's it's really late out. What what are you doing? Oh, a, a Zaku crashed in the park near me, and I'm gonna go climb inside of it. Uh, that doesn't sound very safe. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with you and go check it out. Fuck! Um, I pull out my gun. Uh, I, I roll for initiative. Um, <laughs> yeah, roll for I initiative. I felt very much like a dungeon master in that situation. <laughs> oh um, man! Sorry, I I was expecting that to go differently. Christian, you played that out really well. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Okay, yeah. I, that was a very important question that I wanted to ask you guys, and I'm glad that we got to that. Yes. Yeah, me too. So, yes. Um, now, the, the Special Forces team actually conducts their little operation to uh, sneak inside, and I wanted to ask you all, what was your favorite part about this sequence? This like, it was kind of. It felt a little bit like, um, you know, Ocean's Eleven, you know, a little heisty. Yeah. I mean, I just love, um, I love our guy Steiner, uh, Hardy, like acting that part out for the security guard where he, oh yeah, tends to be the guy unloading the stuff, and he's like, yeah, quit busting my balls, like. I'm a workman. I'm just trying to get this shit done. Like, I know I'm just not trying not to get fired. I don't, I don't want to get the client upset. I just thought that was great. Um, great acting by him to kind of come in and save Bernie. 
who they kind of just hung out to dry to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I so thought... like... It just seemed like a realistic like a realistic plan like coming into fruition mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. You made a comment earlier, Michael, where it's like this is the first heist that we've seen in Gundam, like at mm-hmm. the at the first at the opening scene, and that's true. A lot of the action in Gundam kind of just comes down to like they it, it's it's excusable for not having a lot of premise because it's large robots fighting each other. Um, but it is kind of cool when it's like a little thing coming to fruition, you know, like a little plan that you get to see and you're like, oh boy, I hope this works. Totally. There are little moments like in, in 79 and like, in double Zeta, like the little espionage, little snippets that you get that were mm-hmm. pretty cool. But this was like very much reminiscent of that to where, so, you know, like, you know, if we're going to summarize that little sequence, they, uh, organized this little shuttle to kind of sneak the mobile suit into side seven and they load um the corpse i guess of that some other dude I, i'm not sure if it was their former special force member i doubt it anyways they sit him in the passenger side and they like shoot him in the head and they you know there's a battle going on so they sneak in in the midst of that and so bernie is tasked with acting as this pilot that's even... like I didn't even think that it could be Andy that whose body they're using, but I actually really like that head cannon. I think that's really cool. Like that they would be That's like that. so beyond fucked that it's Andy. Where like he's holding yeah. his body and then the next scene is like, wait, we can use him for something. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, let's make use out of him. <laughs> well, I like the idea that they're like Andy would have wanted it this way. You know, he would have wanted us to use his body and shoot it with a bazooka. Also, so we're going to blow a hole through his head. This is what Andy would have wanted. He's still contributing after death. You know, that's pretty sick. Totally. Anyway, keep going, Christian. Sorry. Even from the grave. And so, yeah. And so like Bernie is trying to get through customs, essentially. And this guy's like asking for his, for his paperwork and this and that. And so Steiner comes out of nowhere with these acting chops. But I sh- you should have known because the cravat that he wears automatically tells you this man has a sense of drama. Okay. He knows how to act his ass off. <laughs> think he's like in a, you think he's in like an improv group or something? Yes. Like on weekends? Oh, yeah. That's how he, that's how he uh, blows off steam. You know, he's like very much like a serious military man, but on the weekends, all improv, baby. Oh my gosh, he loves it. He loves yes anding. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yes, Andy. Oh, that's why he loved Andy that's so much. Soon. Yeah. So, um, we're basically coming towards the end of the episode, but essentially, they are successfully sneak through. Um, their mobile suits and their equipment, and um, Al has fallen asleep in the in the Zaku cockpit. So he wakes up. He's like, "Oh shit! I gotta get to go. I gotta get to school." So he like, as he gets to the road, he sees Bernie, uh, drive by in this like giant tanker truck along with the rest of the team, and so he hops on, and that's kind of where. The episode closes. 
So Al has, you know, he's already figured out that Bernie's up to no good. So, yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Two episodes so far. Um, but, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know about you all, but I was pretty jazzed after this episode, ready to watch the next, um, which I think I'm going to do as soon as we wrap up this episode. Um, did you all have any final thoughts yeah, on these too. first two? No final I thoughts? These two episodes do... I think that I... Oops. Go ahead, Simon. Bro, if fucking feels like i'm talking to like christian in the past <laughs> like, this is like we're going through like a fucking temporal pincer movement with this podcast <laughs> yeah the uh, this is the worst it's wait, ever been wait christian no 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 christian has been recording in reverse this whole time and we're recording going forward in time yeah, it's exactly. just like the hit movie ten. it's insane yeah. um all I wanted to say is I like the Zaku design because I don't know if y'all remember this. You can pull receipts if you want, but I'm Zaku guy. Like, that's my toxic trait. Like, you have your skater boyfriend and your anime boy boyfriend and your Whole Foods boyfriend. <laughs> you got your mailman boyfriend. I'm Zaku boyfriend, and I mm -hmm. love Zakus. And I really like the one, the green one. Um, cause it seems to have more surface detail than the other ones. And that's all I wanted to say Zaku about it. Zaku 2 is my baby. I love that thing. Zaku mm -hmm. 2. That's cool. Technically. Zaku 2 Furious. Zaku 2 is responsible for this podcast. Because that's the picture I sent to Michael. That's true. Yeah. And that's what got this whole thing. Wait, really? This whole ball rolling. Yep. Yep. Wow. What you? What did you caption the picture? Like I. Oh, I said um, this funny robot. I said no. So he was sitting cross-legged, <laughs> and he had the Zaku two positioned uh, right in front of where uh, you would normally oh. see his cock and balls. And he said, "Do you want me to move the Zaku two? And then I said, "Hey, do you want to um, do a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly um, are we talking happened. hey hey michael hey michael are we talking 144th scale 132nd scale it's like it was like one 120th scale yeah it was like a it was like a gotcha pawn one that like came in like one <laughs> that like came in like a little ball from a vending machine man yeah, like, like it was a really exactly. it was a really small scale i like i don't even think it was a zaku i think it was like a c3po action figure fucking like r2d2 dude look at this mech bro that's r2d2 shut the fuck up oh man i have no other closing thoughts um well i think we should uh wrap it up for for today yeah um i personally want to go want to go pop some popcorn and fucking dive into the next two episodes 
Um, so we'll Hell leave it yeah. there. Um, and we'll be back. We'll be back next week with uh, episodes three and four. Good night, everyone. Bye.